So, Ben asked a long time ago, uh, hey, is there any other Sunday you'd be willing to speak? And so I chose the Sunday before spring break, because that means I'm going to go home after this and collapse. If any of you have not been in Ben's unique shoes, Rebecca's unique shoes, leading worship and then speaking on the same day is extremely draining. Right? So you get really tired. So I'm going to keep that energy. But if you talk to me after church, you're like, wow, Chris seems really chill. That's because I'm using it all right now. Okay? Um, but when spoken, I was kind of like, you know, right before spring break is Palm Sunday. And I was like, is that okay? Can I speak on Palm Sunday? Is that allowed? Is that like in the church bylaws where you can, you can do that? But it was. And he's like, yeah, go for it. And so this vision of Palm Sunday, right? Jesus arriving in Jerusalem before his crucifixion and being hailed as king, right? And so then Ben gives me this book. He's like, this is what I want you to speak on. And it's a book <laughs> from Timothy Keller. It's called Jesus the King. It used to be called King's Cross or some version of it was. And I'm reading through that and it's just speaking to me, right? All of this stuff is coming across and what it is is something really hard for me and maybe hard for you. So let's just unpack this idea as Jesus being king for a moment, okay? So let's, let's get ourselves in this moment. You're going to put yourself in the crowd, okay? A little, little role play here. This is Matthew 21, 8 through 11. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, this is New Living Translation. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered, most of them confused. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. They probably were confused. They're like, who is this dude? Why are you celebrating him as a king? And for us, this gets a little confusing because we live in something called representative democracy. So for us, we hear the word king, and we've been trained from a young, young age to be like, king, no, no one will be my king. No one gets, I think, I appreciate the laugh there, but we are, some of you are uncomfortable about this because I brought up the word democracy, but, right? Authority is a scary thing for our particular culture to wrestle with, right? So I'm going to unpack authority, and then I'm going to explain why it's so hard for us to wrestle with it, right? So this is the Greek word used in the New Testament a lot for authority, exousia. I had to click on YouTube and have it brought up for me, right? It indicates these things. Jurisdiction, which is the right force. Might. I can't make them all up, but those two might. Privilege, which is like that honor. I'm privileged to be your king. Capacity, freedom, influence, and force. I put that twice just so you got it. That was a mistake. So, it also, if you look at the English word, authority, you guys all see it. Author, right? You see originator, creator. So the specific authority we're talking about, when we say authority, even if someone is a non-believer, someone who has, wants nothing to do with Christ, and they say the word authority, they're still bringing it back to the Creator. They just don't know it, right? So that's something to think about. This word is based in that idea. So, to do this right, to understand Jesus as our King, Jesus as 
the king, right? On his throne, we have to give up our biases. We have to take what we've grown up with. We have to take the hurt, the pain, all of these leaders in our lives. It could be a parent. It could be a teacher. It could be a boss. We have to give that up because that is skewing our view of Jesus. We are thinking of Jesus as that person with those faults, but he was not, right? So these are our biases. No right, right? There's multiple things that can be wrong with a king, multiple things that can be wrong with a leader. I'm going to try to isolate them most of the time. If you are human, you're in a position of authority, you're probably doing multiples of these wrong, <laughs> okay? You may not have the right, you may not have the money, you may not have that honor, you may not have the capacity, you may not have the freedom, and you may not have the influence. So now we get to have a little fun. No right, here's Batman. I can do his voice, but I'm not going to. I'm trying to think of something he would say. Where is she? Right, that's the, that's the, the dark one for those who are. This is Lego Batman, which is an exaggerated version. This is the leader without jurisdiction. And I chose a silly one, but we have really serious ones, right? You could have a great leader. And think in your workplaces, in your families, think for yourself right now, who is that person I admire? Man, I wish they were my boss. I wish that they had more authority because I know they would do such a good job. That's one of our biases. Sometimes we think someone should be a leader, but they don't have the jurisdiction. They don't have the right to do these things, right? Another great example, if you want to go into history, right? Think of all of those great leaders that were essentially hamstrung by the laws. Right? The laws of their time were keeping them from being able to do great things. So thinking of those things, thinking of that boss, maybe thinking of a historical figure or thinking of Batman, right, who does not have the right to fight criminals, but he does. They're missing a piece. Now, here's where history. Does anyone know this guy? Anyone? He's from Harry Potter, correct. Yes, he's the Minister of Magic. You see Dumbledore behind him. That was your clue, right? This is Cornelius Fudge. If you're unfamiliar with the story, this is a leader without power. So he is scared at every single turn. This guy's, this guy's going to take my power. This guy's going to take my power. He has no power. He has Voldemort coming. I shouldn't have said that name. Should I? He who should not be named. Right? So Voldemort's coming out of all of this craziness. If you're unfamiliar with the big bad guy is taking over the world. And this guy is scared senseless, and he is the leader of the wizarding world. Right? But has no power. No one listens to him, and slowly, he is, it's taken from him, right? He's scared of it every moment. Now think of someone in your life, a boss, a friend, someone who's supposed to have authority in your situation that doesn't have power. It's not right, and that's what we think of. We think of the floppy king, the foolish king, right? These, these kings that are senseless, useless. No capacity is a real stretch. Anyone recognize her? British television. This is Jen from the IT crowd. Let me tell you about Jen. So, in the IT crowd, Jen gets a job as the boss of the IT department with no knowledge of IT whatsoever. She does not know how to turn on a computer. She does not know how to do anything. But she fakes her way to the top. How many of you guys know leaders like? this, right? How many of you go, you look at that person, you're like, oh my lord, how did you get to this position? This is a bias we have. We hear a king, we see some, oh, 
no power, right? No knowledge. That's no capacity. They really can't do their job. No honor. Anyone know this one? Devil wears, devil wears Prada. This is Miranda. I'm not as familiar, but I do know that she is ungrateful and arrogant, right? So this is the leader who doesn't take that honor, doesn't take this as a privilege. The king who sees their position and says, I am king. I am great. This is fantastic. But never sees it as, I am your king. I'm responsible for you. I care about you. I am doing this in the interest of you, right? That's no honor. No freedom. My hands are tied. I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. My hands are tied. I got a little Calvin and Hobbes in here. This is Abby's suggestion. Really good, because Calvin is, if you think about it, leading Hobbes into all these different things, and he really can't do much and always complains about it, right? It's like, I can't, sorry, my hands are tied. This is a great little comment about just his life stories, and I'm just going to have to do all this, that this is the way life works, right? A leader without freedom to do their job, a leader, a king, without the freedom to make those important decisions is not our king, right? And finally, you should all No influence the lost the room leader, right? And he's many of these things. Michael Scott represents many of these things. But think about it, right? You've got, you've got the buffoon. You've got the guy who's like, hey, we're going to do this. And everyone's like, no, we're not. Right? This is no influence. So I hope you enjoy that. But what we have to do next, you have to take those things, you have to take those people that are hurting your idea of Jesus, that are putting Jesus into the box of what a king should be, whether it be historical, whether it be personal, whether it be professional, and you have to give those up. And now we have to give in to who Jesus really was, okay? Jesus had right, divine right. We go back to 28. This is the end, the Great Commission. You may just feel like, go be disciples, but listen to this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. King of heaven, king of earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. So he starts by saying, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those words mean nothing without his authority. He had authority that was given to him to say those things. And when he can say those things, then I can know he is with me always, even to the end of the age. Right. That is comfort, true comfort, knowing that that is from a place of authority, not some fool saying, hey man, I care for you, see you. He had the power to do this. Another, another version, right? Divine right after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. And I is that really authority? It was. If you know about the history of being the firstborn, being a son in that time, there's authority in the statement that is coming from God, right, in this moment, saying, this is my dearly loved son who brings great joy. So he's trying to tell us, hey, look, in that time, right, the people who are living in that time, hey, I gave him authority. He lives his life, he gets crucified, he comes back. And then Jesus is like, hey, if you didn't hear him before, I'm going to tell you again. Like, I have been given this authority. Second one, 
We're going to get a couple here. Divine capacity and might. Okay, so I'm going a little out of order. Mark 1, 21 through 28. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. It's twofold, right? They had a bias that got kicked out of the door when Jesus walked in and showed them his knowledge. He showed them, I know what I'm talking about. And if they were amazed, these are people that are coming to the synagogue. What do you think the people that weren't coming to the synagogue thought? The only people that struggled with this were the people that were in that position where he was essentially showing you don't have authority. And that's a hard position for us to put ourselves in too, right? We're in that space. But this is also a little bit of a story of Mike. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of that man. He ordered at that. The evil spirit screamed through the man. He took convulsion and came out of him. Not just capacity. He's got the power behind him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It is such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly through the entire region of Galilee. This authority has power, and he has power. If you were awake last night for these winds, the story is going to be even more powerful for you. Mark 4. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. No big deal. So they took Jesus in. I want to put these things in the Bible, but I think God said no. No big deal. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. All those other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Has anyone in here been in a boat filling with water? <laughs> oh, good. So I, I can imagine you would be very scared. I would not feel good if a boat were filling with water. If you want to know what it feels like, ask Marie. She's the only person in this room who's been through that. Not a good situation. They're scared. It's important. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, not a good way to wake up, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind. One of my favorite lines in the Bible. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Imagine that wind yesterday. Hearing the voice of Jesus. Not saying in the name of Jesus, because he is Jesus. Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. This is, this is the key part. And there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. But they're not terrified of the wind anymore. I want to be very clear. They are terrified because they just saw Jesus' power. And that is overwhelming. So again, they're scared out of their minds. Their water is filling their boat. And they got more scared when they saw the power of Jesus. That's okay, right? That's okay, because he was gentle <laughs> with them. And he talked to them about this and said, okay. And he probably was having this conversation. I would assume on the boat, or maybe he just went back to sleep. I don't know. I don't think he continues. <laughs> Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and waves obey him. 
So they decided out of their fear to still follow, right? Out of their fear, they still decided to follow seeing that light. We're going to cover the rest of these pretty quickly. Divine honor, right? Look, he came to earth as a baby, didn't have to. Lived as a carpenter, didn't have to. And died on the cross. I mean, for our sake, he had to. But it, he could have. There's this idea, this is a privilege. This is something I need to do. I love these people. This is the story. The story of Jesus shows that he cares about us. There's no one verse. There's no people. You have to look at the life of Jesus, and then you see, okay, no, this is an honorable king. This is a good king. This is a king that cares for you. And this is a king with freedom. Why else would Jesus have prayed? I feel that if you look at the story of Jesus, he prays, he fasts, he jokes. Why else would he do this if this was a story where God's like this is, and everything was just, here you go. There was freedom in how he lived his life. He knew his responsibilities. He chose those responsibilities because he was perfect, right? He didn't make a wrong choice. But at the same time, there was divine freedom in how he lived his life, how he showed people things. I like to think, right, the water and wine thing, it's, it clearly says in the Bible, it's like he wasn't supposed to reveal himself. But he's like, you know what? I love my mom. I'm going to show her. I'm going to show her a little love right now. Right? This is a Lord who had freedom to exert his authority, to be the king, even when it may not have been his time to be king. And finally, divine influence. We're going to come back. Right? This is now the Mark version of this story. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? Two strangers walked up to your house, had a key to your car, got in your car, and were ready to drive away. That is what just happened. I hope you understand this wasn't just a thing. They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Let it sink in. Okay? They were permitted to take it. This is influence, and that influence continues, right? They brought the cult to Jesus, threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. This is the end of Jesus' time on earth. You can see the influence he had in this moment, okay? Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. So, if we've given up earthly authority, you've given that up, if you've kicked that out the door, if you said, okay, all these kings, all these leaders, all this stuff that I have not, I've been, I've been allowing it to influence my thoughts about Jesus. You've gotten rid of that. You truly have then have you given in to Jesus being king? I want you to think about that. Have you given in to Jesus not being your leader? Yes, Jesus being your savior, but have you given in to Jesus being your king? Because that means we build our identity. This is hard for American culture to understand. Our identity has to be built in Jesus. And that word is laden with a lot of things. But if you want to know how to talk to people about Jesus, talk to people about your walk, you say, my identity begins in Jesus and ends in Jesus. 
Everything I do has to be wrapped up in Jesus. Everything, every other piece of my identity has to be centered on Jesus. Right? That is giving in to Jesus being king. And that is hard. Because it, it means that we sometimes have to accept his authority. And the easy stuff, some of you right now are thinking about the easy stuff. You're like, yeah, preach, Chris. Preach, Chris. I know this thing that I believe, but Johnny doesn't believe that. But since my identity is in Jesus, I know I'm right. I'm good. The hard stuff. Some of you are thinking about the hard stuff. Some of you are thinking, man, this thing, right? This, I'm not sure about this. I don't, I don't know how I feel about letting Jesus take this part of my life. Whichever end you're on, I think you need to go to the other end. So if you're concerned about, oh, I don't know about this. Jesus, I give it up. It's yours. If you're proud and you're like, yeah, yeah, you need to be like, Jesus, what? You need to challenge me. God, come into my heart and challenge me where I need to be challenged. Where am I not giving myself? So you are on one of those ends. I don't, I've never met a person who's in the middle in a moment, right? You may be in the middle of your life and you're a healthy, healthy human being if you are. But in a moment, sometimes we're on one end, sometimes we're on the other. So think of where you are. And right now, we're going to close our eyes and pray, God, if I am on that end, I'm just saying, I give it up. Whatever I'm thinking about this, whatever I've read about this, whatever I've decided about this, I give this up to you. You will show me the way. Your love will clarify things for me. The discernment and the wisdom that comes from reading your story, from hearing about your life, is going to clear it up. And I don't need to say anything else except I am yours. I'm your humble servant. I'm bowing down to you as my king. If you're on the other end, Jesus, you're my king. I hear you. You're the greatest. I love you so much. Man, I'm so glad I'm following you. Jesus, challenge me. Find a part of my life that I need to be challenged. Find a piece that I am wrong about and reveal that to me. However hard that is, however confusing that is, I want you to show me what is that piece that is keeping me from being closer to you? I love being close to you. I want to know what is keeping me from it. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Jesus wrote the rule book, right? Jesus is in control. We have to accept that. If we've gotten to step two, we've given in to Jesus' divine authority. And we've understood that all of our power, and this is tricky, and I didn't want to get too much into this, right? Our authority is from the author of salvation. Right. So any power we have is not our power. Right. That is the difference between Christianity and everything else. Everything we have is not ours. Yeah. Right. And that is harder than we think because we're talking property, we're talking everything. But right now, we're talking about power. Right? All the power we think we have it is not ours. God has put us in positions of authority, but it's still his authority. Does that make sense? I know it's a really confusing piece. That's why I didn't want to spend too much time on it. But this idea, if you can just think, when you're in a position of power, you're making a decision, this is not my authority. This is an authority given to me by Jesus. Right? Right? Oh, yeah, that makes it a lot easier. That may, if I'm leaning on Jesus and I'm listening to him in that moment, that makes it a lot easier. I can take those steps. His word. And if we can do that, we can start step three, which is giving out Jesus' authority. 
If we start thinking of sharing the good news, sharing the gospel, sharing about Easter, as me sharing, there's someone else in control of this whole story, and there's someone else who's giving me power, and he is my king, he is my savior, he is my God. We only talked about king today, but if you can get to that point, that's us giving out Jesus' authority. Because then other people can see and understand, I don't have to do this on my own. It was never my power. Has anyone in here been in a position of power before? It is one of the most draining things for 99% of people. It is one of the most hard, like most difficult things you will do in your life is to be in charge of something. And if you are like 99% of people, you want to be like, can I just follow someone? It becomes a lot easier when you have that freedom to be Jesus is in control. I had this happen to me three weeks ago. Right at this meeting, I'm in I'm in charge of this big meeting. Lawyers coming, I'm ready for it, ready to go. And I was freaking out about it, and I found a moment of peace and said, Jesus has got this. And the amount of peace that comes with that, the joy that comes with that, I can live my life. I can live my life. I can just Take a step back and say, Jesus has this. Doesn't mean I don't do any work. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm just letting it go, right? I'm, I'm honoring the authority given to me, right? I'm honoring the people that are working under me. It would be rude of me <laughs> to just say, cool, Jesus has got to show up at the meeting and, and everything's terrible. But the heart issue is dealt with. Jesus is in control of his mind. King, and if I screw this up, that's okay because he's got a bigger plan. He's got right, a bigger right, picture. Right. So that's that third step. And we get to go to this third step. Again, remembering the first part of this statement go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. So this is pretty intense stuff. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed for doing these things in his name. Right? So it's important to remember what was said before this. This is authority given to Jesus. It's important to remember as he's saying, he's saying, do these things in my name. That's how we give out Jesus' authority. The gospel without Jesus being in control is our gospel, which is not in the Bible. Right? His gospel is a different story. Right. So when the Lord Jesus finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven, and you get to end on this note, sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Sitting on his throne, right? He is king. It's done. That's really important for this whole message. Yeah. He's king. It's decided. It's over. Salvation has been given. And because of that, because of that, the disciples went everywhere and preached out of thank you. They're doing these things, acknowledging Jesus as king. Mm-hmm. And honoring him by going everywhere and preaching, he works through them and becomes this beautiful relationship. And that is another bias. One last thing, right? To understand, we 
sometimes think king and think separation. Mm -hmm. We think that person's up there, but he came from up there down here so he could be in relationship with us. The veil was torn, which is in some of these scriptures we're talking about, it's right after, right? The veil was torn so that we can access the king. It does not diminish his power. It does not diminish the fact that he's seated on that throne. We just get to walk up to it, yeah. right? We get to go up to that throne and say, you are my king, I bow before you. Confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So that's what I have. I hope you have something. I know I probably got some stuff wrong. I saw some of you checking your Bibles and that. You know it. You know it. But take what God was saying to you in this moment. Know yeah. that this is not Chris's authority speaking to you. This is Chris praying, asking the Holy Spirit to guide him, to say words that mean something to everyone in this room. So as we bow our heads and pray, I want you to think, what was that moment? What was that word that was for me from God? Mm -hmm. Not for me from Chris. What was for me from God? And I want us to sit on that for a moment and then I'll dismiss. God, I ask that we bow our heads and pray and look up to you in this moment simultaneously and say, God, right now, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, in this place, I ask that you reveal what you are saying to me in this moment. Do I need to get on my knees? Do I need to stand up and proclaim your name? Do I need to share your name with a neighbor? Do I need to say you are king in my workplace? Do I need to say you are king in my family life? Do I need to say you are my king in my personal life? In my heart, where I'm wrestling with these demons, do I need to say, Jesus, come in your name? The demons hear his name and they flee. In your name, flee. I say this right now and I look to you. I give a moment to listen to you right now. If you have anything to say to me, anything at all. You are good. You are God. You are King. And we say this all and agree in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.